Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast, providing all of you with the inside scoops. I'm here today with our family and children's pastor, Jill Venema. Jill, say hi to everybody. Hello. Uh, It's your first time on the podcast, so welcome here. And uh, give all of us listening from all of our locations a little bit of an orientation to who you are, where you come from, family background, that kind of stuff. Sure. Okay, so I attend the Welland location, and that's where I do my family family pastoring on Sunday. And I have a husband named Nate. We've been married for 15 years this summer, and we have three boys. My oldest, Samuel, is almost 12. Uh, my middle boy, Jackson, is 10, and my youngest, Beckett, is 6. We live in Welland, and um, we've been in the area... Uh, for, I mean, St. Catherine's Welland area for the last, I'd say, nine, ten years. Nine, ten yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those nine, ten years, how long was it before you ended up around Southridge? How'd you end up part of our yeah. church to begin with? Well, I guess it was, a, I guess now that I think about it, we have been a little bit longer than ten years. But about, let's see, we were, we had just had Jackson. We moved over from the Hamilton area and we were teachers at the time and we were looking for a church and we kind of did the the whole circuit sort of going around and trying to figure out what felt like home. And this was just before you guys had, or we had moved into multi-site at the time. So it was all at right, Glen Ridge. Pre-Welland. Yeah, yeah, pre-Welland when we first started coming. And at the time, just to be completely honest, uh, we had just come from a, a an urban um, church plant in downtown Hamilton, which was really small and kind of rough and gritty. And coming to Glenridge, especially, I would say for me, was a little bit tough. I felt a little bit lost. Um, it felt a little bit big for me at the time. Um, and I should say the caveat, at that point, we hadn't plugged in anywhere. So, of course, we didn't feel connected, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but it was pretty large. It was especially big. Especially before we yeah. yeah. It was big at that time. So we kind of... Um, it was really when multi-site started happening and we lived in the North End at the time. And so we were there for the beginning of North End and then we were like, yes, this is this is it. So we, we attended um, the North End for the first year and then my husband and I switched careers, which took us to the Welland-Fenwick area. And so then at that time, then we switched over to the Welland location. And plugged in at the mm-hmm. Welland location, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were actually part of the founding group of our former North End location. Yeah. Some of our members might not even realize we had a fourth location yeah. at one point and uh, collapsed that back. But then in the meantime, uh, you plugged in at the Welland location mm-hmm. and you guys and your family haven't looked back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so a bit of our background to you had asked what... Uh, kind of the background of what we did. So I should probably, some of those moves had to do with our career choices. So my husband and I used to be teachers. um, And then we were both at a school that ended up closing at the same time. We were ready for a change. And then we moved to Fenwick in 2011 to become group home parents to uh, seven challenging teens in a group home. And so we did that for four years. And that was really, really when we got plugged in in a deep way to the Welland community and being in the Welland area. And um, we did that until the end of 2015. Mm-hmm. And now walk us through the transition from the group home era yes. to ending up in a staff position yeah. here at the church. Yeah, so it's really interesting. To be honest, I don't know, maybe many people would say um, the same thing, but I had never 
really imagined working at here. Not that I was certainly against it by any means, but I mean, I started out in university. I was a vocal performance major. So I studied music and I taught music for a long time. And then uh, Nate and I were kind of in the social work world. And um, although we had been churchgoers our entire lives, never really uh, thought about attending, but then, or sorry, working on staff. But then when we finished the group home, Nate had gone back to get his uh, master's of social work and finished that up. And I was looking for some next steps. And it was about the time that we were restructuring things here for family ministry and starting to think about how we could do this in a better way in multi-site. And so the position came open for um, a family pastor specializing in children. And that was my background, really working with kids for so long. And so I remember um, reaching out to Ben and just kind of inquiring a little bit more about the position and, you know, going through the process of wondering if it would work. My kids were still really young at the time. And yeah, several months later, then I started at the beginning of 2016. And these roles, as we've described them right now, like you said, these family life pastors mm -hmm. that are different specialists, you're the kids specialist. Mm -hmm. um, describe for us just in brief, because this is the whole conversation we're going to have today, uh, but describe for us in brief what that job is and looks like. Sure. Okay, so uh, there's a family life pastor at each location, each of our three, and I am the family life pastor at Welland, so that means on Sundays I am kind of overseeing all of the family activities, and mostly for the kids, 0 through 18, but also um, the parenting and marriage things that will be going on. Um, so that's my Sunday, and during the week time, most of my time is spent being in charge of all the babies through grade five, programming and activities at all three locations. Right. The specialist role, again, to clarify for our members, the specialist role is the central support of, in this case, a kid's ministry across all three of our locations. That mm -hmm. is the bulk of your week's work. That's right. Yeah. And then the decentralized component, it kind of flips on Sundays so that we have a presence at each of our locations That's right. for all family ministry related things yeah. that together works as part of this family ministry department to kind of encourage each other and, and help uh, broker with each other uh, these relational connections that each of you know uh, because of your uh, participation in your local uh, host site. So that's right. Yep. Uh, it's kind of the way that, that this breaks down. And and uh, getting into that a little bit more, we've talked in, in a few different podcasts about these, these reasons why family ministry exists. So mm -hmm. walk us through, there are three reasons basically that family ministry in general, mm -hmm. not just kids ministry, but we, the three reasons we have a family ministry, help us understand them and just refresh our memories again. Probably we've been on vacation or in summer mode. So uh, we, we could use a, a refresher on this to begin with. So what are the three reasons why family ministry exists? Sure. Well, I will start with just overall saying that family ministry is an effort of church leaders synchronizing with parents around a master plan to work at building the faith and character of our sons and daughters. So we split that up into, as you said, three um, main ways that we do that. So good. One that was a good opening line. I well, like that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one of the main ways that we do that is um, we have developed a really comprehensive discipleship plan from, we call it from cradle to college. So that's our spiritual development piece. So that is very intentional and age specific and targeted um, instruction and spiritual teaching all the way through for our kids. Which just to comment on that a little mm -hmm. bit, I, I, I hope that our members appreciate that, that the teaching provided 
in our family ministry from, as you said, cradle to college is actually one of the core reasons that this ministry exists, believing that by the time kids who grow up in our church head off to college, leave the house and are on their own, they've been exposed to certain facets Mm -hmm. of what the Bible teaches and what a life of faith requires in a comprehensive way. So that actually gets thought about and planned. It's not just random topics that people are on a kick to discuss, you know, on a Sunday morning or or during a midweek program. This is ultra deliberate in an 18-year master plan. Very significant. Yeah, it is incredibly thought out. Not only what we do here at the church, but um, through the Orange curriculum that we work with, um, they are so intentional about um, devising a plan that is going to, through that span of 0 through 18, really um, work with kids to develop a a faith that's going to stick, that's relevant, that matters to them. Um, but also that at each stage of life that we're trying to reach them in a way that's going to make sense to them in that stage. So it's even putting child development and psychology and all of that into the biblical teaching as well. So right. that we're not, not just content, but that's the right. age appropriateness that's of right. the content. Yeah, yeah. it's in, it's amazing. I yeah. just love it. So, Very good. Yeah. Second value. The second value is that we are partnering with parents because we know that parents are the primary, uh, the primary spiritual influence, that you are the greatest influence in your child's life. You spend so much time with them. We as a church, we see them a couple hours a week, um, maybe. And so... Uh, together, we believe that the church and the parents working together instead of two separate influences, that if we worked together in a combined and synchronized way, that we make a much greater impact um, in kids' faith lives and in their lives in general. And this is where the vision of orange comes from. That's with right. the love of the home and the light of the church, one yeah. is red, one is yellow. They combine mm-hmm. the metaphor as they make orange. And That's right. I, I hope that members hear this. Not as a shirking of responsibility. It's not like we're passing a buck saying, oh, parents, you raise your own kids. It's actually from the data that appreciates that whether we like it or not, we only have so much time with them. And the primary influences, the data will show the primary influences are parents, not the church. In fact, it's you know mom, dad, grandparents, you know a whole bunch of other influences right. before yeah. anyone related to a, a role in the church even comes to play. So that's that's significant for us to appreciate and, and definitely a value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the third value that we have, or a reason as we say, is to just like we do as adults, we are seeking to expose our kids to a three dimensional lifestyle of full devotion. So we do that in a couple different ways. Um, We're exposing them, as we've already discussed, to a vibrant spirituality. So that would be kind of using our adult language, like our inspiration piece. Um, We are seeking to help them to learn how to make a difference within community and with um, collaboration with consistent leaders in age-appropriate ways. So this is our action and connection components for our kids. Yeah, we, we, as a church... We're about fostering a lifestyle of full devotion, inspiration, connection, action, but have conceded that the primary programs that we offer are really adult-oriented. Hopefully they cover Mm -hmm. a bit of a bandwidth from young adults to seniors, but they're adult-focused. And so to translate this, again, when you talk about like the psychology and the the capacity of a developing child or developing young adult uh, and where they're at, um, to make this pertinent and relevant to their needs uh, means that we kind of replicate 
almost like a mini church within the church. That's right. Uh, these kinds of programs in primary ways that drive these aspects of a life of faith uh, in kids, again, from cradle to college in these age-appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, getting a little more practical then, uh, these three reasons why family ministry exists applied specifically to kids' ministry, of which you're the specialist. Uh, this plays out in some some programmatic ways. Can you describe for us, Jill, how the the programs of the kids' ministry component of family ministry actually work? What do they include? How do they operate? Sure. So we have Little Lights, which is our babies and our preschoolers, and we have MS, which is our elementary schoolers from senior kindergarten up through grade five. So I'll start with what we do in Little Lights. So um, in our baby classroom, even from the very start, from uh, in our nursery, we have like newborns all the way through ages two and a half. And even then, um, we start with in small age-appropriate ways to begin in this development. So what that looks like in a nursery is that um, it may be uh, books, uh, worship music playing. It's our leaders praying over children as they're holding them. Um, With our toddlers, as they're getting a little bit older, then we start to do a little bit more um, just mini instruction, conversations with them, talking about um, simple Bible stories and concepts. Um, At this age, a lot of the instruction is giving them a first glimpse of what love looks like Mm -hmm. so that they start to understand that God and love is safe and that um, our church community is a place to be embraced and that it's a safe place to find love. So Mm -hmm. that's where we start that out. Which, Um, just to interrupt, this, this mm -hmm. this is profound, and I hope our members appreciate this. Most people will assume that the reason you have a nursery in a church is so that in the auditorium there isn't the <laughs> distraction of crying kids. Sure. That that's kind of the whole point of this. Yeah. Uh, you guys live with a vision and a purpose that is far beyond that, far more spiritually directed, not just at the parent, who now is undistracted in the yeah. auditorium, but to the baby and the young child themselves. And that's in right. the... You, know, you talked about the, kind of the psychology and even the emotional development, like the things that that child may learn or absorb, even just by the osmosis of being around it, that at a psychological level, they don't even consciously realize, but later on in life, they just That's have right. an association to faith and church that is positive, that is warm, that is caring, that That's is right. loving. Um, the, the, the nurseries, very deliberately, prayerfully, like you said, they provide this subconscious embedding Mm -hmm. of the love of Jesus uh, in little kids. That's right. Amazing. It starts right from the start. And of course, yes, it it is wonderful that parents who wish to leave their children in the nursery can have probably um, with less distraction, a deeper experience in the adult service themselves. Yes, that is wonderful. But at least from my perspective, that is not necessarily the primary reason we do it. We're not a child care um, we're very intentional about what we're doing yeah, in the a nursery. nursery ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And we start out um, right from the start. And oh, I will tell you, our nursery leaders love those kids so much. And it is just at all three locations. It's just amazing. And uh, it's wonderful to know that our kids are being cared for, that their physical needs are being cared for, of course. But it's not just that. It's absolutely their emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual needs are very intentionally cared for as well. It's funny when you talk about that. I mean, my kids aren't nursery age anymore. Uh, and when they were, 
it was basically in the era where we were only one location in, mm-hmm. in St. Catharines. And one of the kind of core nursery champions back there was someone now from our Welland location, Bev Nondor. Oh, yes. And She's my kids, a rock star. you know, my kids even growing up, uh, when we would have one church events, because for years, Andy and Bev have been in Welland, they would have these one church events and they would recognize her and oh, yeah. have a fond memory of her. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to watch them grow up and think, wow, that the amount of impact that Bev Nondorf had on my kids and just their taste of what church and faith could be like is is way more significant than I think ever anyone realizes oh, yeah. when it comes to nursery ministry. Oh, it's incredible. I have leaders that will come to, that will volunteer to be at the, the special events, like the One Church events and things that we have in the evening. And um, especially, you know, they will say, oh, I know it's at this location and I know this and this and this kid is going to come. And and if they see me, then they'll be, they'll feel safe and secure. So I want to make sure I'm here for them. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, really, really it's, significant. So yeah, so it starts right away in the nursery. And then as the kids move on into preschool, it's a, a fairly wide uh, age gap that we have there from age two and a half through junior kindergarten. So through about age five. So it starts to um, up the ante, I guess you could say, as as far as what we provide. So of course, there's lots of free play and fun. This is where kids are learning. I mean, really, that's a part of connection for them. They're learning how to play together, how to build friendships, how to connect with other kids. Um, we have a story and worship time. So that will be our inspiration. This is where they're learning simple, short and sweet Bible stories where there is a bottom line or a main idea. Idea yeah. that that they can take home with them and remember it's a basic truth about who God is and who they were made to be and um, this is also um, at the preschool time uh, where we start to introduce them with a little bit of a small group type feel where they break into smaller groups and they're working on a little bit of an activity or a craft or they may be having a little discussion that's applying what they learned in the story so not only is this a part of our connection but it's just a chance for them to to baby step toward when they're in elementary school in MS where they're going to be really unpacking what spirituality, what faith means. And yeah. we do that in really simple, um, simple, simple ways. But it's it's a great thing that we do. Are and, those um, groups broken down, subdivided, like two and a half year olds with two and a half year olds and five year olds with five year olds? Because I know that that's a big yeah. that's a big gap. Oh yeah, yeah. It kind of depends on the day and the location, but yeah, absolutely. Because okay. the kind of uh, kind yeah. of conversation, if you if you can call it that, of that you're having with a two and a half year old rolls a little bit differently than the kind that you would have with a five year old, of course. I can imagine. But oh yeah, it's great. And um and we also are starting to introduce our kids to the world outside them. So that's our action. Um, component. So in very simple ways, they're learning about our compassion kids, Lewis and Jasmine. They're offering, um, we re- call for offering, they bring in their coins and all things in small ways so that they're getting to know that there are kids just like them in other parts of the world and even around us that um, may need some things that we have to share. Uh, just recently, this past year, we did um, 
a little unit about helping our neighbors, and we had a chance for kids to bring in food items from their home that would benefit our shelter with some things that they mm. needed. And so we had a big food drive. And the you know you're walking, you're seeing three and four year olds walk in with bags full of goodies, and they were just so excited. So even with our very youngest kids, we're um, finding great opportunities to involve them in the outreach initiatives that we do as a church. Yeah, which is great. All all three dimensions of that lifestyle of full devotion can actually be exposed. Mm-hmm. to very young developing kids. Oh, right? absolutely. You and to be in high school to start oh, grasping no. this stuff. Well, and little kids too. I mean, as much as at that stage, you know, we all know kids in preschool age can be very self-focused, which is natural for that age, but they also at the same time are so excited to give and to learn how to give. And the more opportunities we can give them a chance to express that, that's great because obviously we want to be fostering that lifestyle right yeah. from the start, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we go up to the big show. movers and shakers. This yeah. is a, a big beast because we've got the kids are in there for six years. It's a huge program. It's really great. So they start in senior kindergarten, go up through grade five, as I mentioned before. And um, it really gets a lot more serious, I guess, if you want to say it, as far as um, how much time now is devoted to um, the connection, inspiration, and action. Um we start our morning with some small group time and kids are broken into age specific groups with leaders. So, um, so we have the SKs and the ones together, the twos and the threes, and then the fours and the fives often split up by boys and girls at that point as well. Yeah, This is what we call the carpet time, right? That's right. Kid shows up, finds their carpet. That's right. Tracks with some carpet time. Absolutely. So this is a time for kids to first just connect with each other. They're learning how to connect with their leader and the leader's checking in, talking with them just about their life and what's going on and getting a chance to really know them as individuals. And in that time, we also do an activity or so that's sort of priming the pump, getting them interested in what it is that we're about to learn and discover in the story time. So after we've done that, the kids are ready to go. Then we have large group time all together. And this would be our inspiration portion of the morning. And so we do some singing. We usually do one sort of crazy game that involves everybody that's a little bit wild and often messy. And um, we have a story and we have some some worship at the front end and the back end of that. So, Which isn't that different than the auditorium, right? It really there, isn't. Uh, you know, there's, no. a, there's a singing, offering worship to God component an experiencer exercise mm-hmm. that kind of mixes things up, a teaching time. That's right. Close with a song. <laughs> That's right. It and really a, is very yeah. similar to what we do so with it's our building adults. Some of the, the musculature of, of that gathering that they'll eventually be part of absolutely. as adults. Yep, absolutely. But it's really neat. Again, it's delivered in a very age appropriate way. So the way that we deliver the content, um, is engaging for kids of that age is fun is sort of, um, Kids at that age really are curious and they want to discover things. So that is the focus of that, that they're kind of thinking like little scientists at that point. Mm. So the whole uh, way that we deliver the spiritual component or inspiration component in that way is all geared toward kids with those sorts of needs and desires in mind. And then after that is finished, then we close up with some more small group time. And this is really, it's all important, but this is really like the most important part of the morning. Um, This is when they come back to the carpet again, or if they break off into separate rooms, whatever it is, they meet with their leader and with their fellow cohorts in their small group. And they unpack and process everything that they've just heard in the story. So the key here is that they're with a consistent leader 
who has built trust with them back and forth over a period of time. And they're with the same group of kids that they've been with for some period of time. And it has been turned into a safe place where kids can question and doubt and be curious about and sort of say, what, what is it that we just learned? What, what does this mean? And what does this mean for our life? How do we apply it? So this is the whole time where they unpack it and learn how to apply it and make it relevant in their daily lives. So there's always something that can be applied today and in the next week at school or at home and whatever it may be. And this is done through a variety of conversations, um, activities, games, all of that. So it's all done in very age-appropriate ways. Yeah, so for our members to appreciate that, in a lot of ways, this inspiration value through the primary program of the large group gathering doubles as the connection value in a small group infrastructure that happens kind of at the same time. A little bit of each kind of woven together where in the adult version, there's a separate time you drive to someone's home, and in a lot of cases, you process what you That's heard right. taught yeah. on Sunday. Yep. That processing of what you hear taught on Sunday happens real time, right in the moment, back in that carpet time with the group leader, consistent, trust-built uh, kind of community, so that they can grow and process in a way where they haven't forgotten what was taught a few minutes earlier. Yeah, <laughs> right? it's, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's, it's instantaneously in that sense. Yeah. that's cool. And then um, I should mention that as far as our action component, some of it is embedded throughout all of the lessons. So it could be sort of um, just kids learning more about where what the needs are within their own community, um, obviously with our three anger causes um, and our locations. And we have a little bit more of a specific focus on Lewis and Jasmine in MS as far as letter writing back and forth and the reading of those letters. And um, uh, so that's been great. This past year, we did a Hope Lives series during the same time that the adults did a Hope Lives series. And that was really neat. It was kind of a, a modification of a program that Compassion put out for kids. And we found that that was really impactful for the kids and neat to uh, partner with parents in the way that we seek to all the time of combining forces, I guess, mm-hmm. on what we're introducing to the kids and what the adults are experiencing so that um, it really ended up being a special time for a lot of our families. Yeah, which mm-hmm. which doesn't happen all the time, right? What's no. taught in the kids' ministry is not concurrent with what's being no. taught in the auditoriums because, as you said earlier, what's being taught in the kids' ministry is part of this cradle to college comprehensive plan and has its own deliberacy, which is different than the adult teaching arc at times. But sometimes we're able to blend those and it's pretty cool when it does. Absolutely. The car ride home, the lunchtime conversation can be synced and everyone can kind of be on the same page. Yep. Cool. That's right. Um, In these ministries, Little Lights and uh, M&S and such, uh, any sort of big ideas or changes that your leadership team and, and uh, kids and family ministry are imagining moving forward? Or is it pretty much uh, kind of this is how it works? There's always tweaking that's happening for sure. I mean, what's going on right now is really amazing. So um, we're not throwing out the whole thing and and starting over. So it's just little tweaks every year of how can we be even more relevant? How can we be more intentional in what we do? So one of the the big ways that I would say that we're seeking to move the needle, if you want to say that in the next year or two, is that we really want to 
uh, dial it up a little bit is how intentional we are with our relationships between Mm -hmm. leaders and kids. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of that already within the small group, but we are looking at what if we had, were able to do smaller groups so that our relationship building was even more intentional and effective? What if our leaders were able to serve a little bit more often, um, a little bit more consistently so that kids were having, you know, just maybe two leaders and I, they would say, I know that when I come here on Sunday morning, I'm either going to have this person or this person, they're my leaders, and that these leaders are communicating with each other and and loving these kids and being there for them. And, and I should say, this already happens. Yeah, Our leaders, yeah. Are, many of our leaders are amazing, are um, working with each other as far as communicating about the kids. Um, parents, if you're listening to this, you should know that your, your kids' leaders and teachers pray for you, pray for your kids consistently. And it's not a Sunday morning only thing for our leaders. And I think that's one thing that I should um, be intentional about sharing because I, I don't know if everyone in our church community knows that. Um, there can be sort of a feeling sometimes of, okay, I'm going to drop my kids off to their program and I hope they have fun and I hope they learn something, but it... Um, yeah, again, like a childcare paradigm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... and uh, it's so much more than that. And I, I don't think that's always understood or maybe communicated clearly enough. So that's the other part of how we're wanting to move things forward is that um, I want to get those stories out there um, to parents and kids and families of the amazing things that are happening um, in our groups. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, Yeah. Yeah. Even in, you know, you're, you're using language that we often use around here where our programs drive a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've even seen some dabbling in, you know, these leaders of the program, not just on their own during the week, living a lifestyle of support and prayer and mm-hmm. concern and preparation for that Sunday program to make that really significant investment in kids. Uh, but even cultivating that connection or that encouragement and mentoring of these kids outside the program yeah. where life groups or little small groups of kids, they'll have pizza parties or they'll go mm-hmm. to the movies or they'll go bowling or you'll have different mentoring relationships kind of spin off. And I know my kids have been both the recipients and providers of these kinds of yep. things where all of a sudden they're uh, meeting at the Penn Center and doing some fun stuff with a with a, uh, a small group leader. I know my oldest son, you know, he's in the, I think, grade three and four boys uh, carpet in, in our St. Catharines location. And, uh, the main leader of that small group had the whole small group go up to Brock university for swimming one afternoon. And so, you know, they're they're doing this kind of stuff so that the program can ultimately drive a lifestyle. And if people are wondering, wow, where could this ministry go? Remember that's, that's where our church is trying to go Absolutely, to try to be programs that foster a lifestyle, not just to be one or two hours a week. Absolutely. And that kind of even started, um, this was sort of a hope and a dream, but it, it sort of started going around the same time that we as a church were doing the start the parties sort of thing. And so we looked at, well, this isn't just for adults. What if we had started to introduce that younger and younger? Our kids are craving connection. And um, yeah, we have had those those events that you've talked about, like some summer barbecues, little parties at people's houses or meeting in the park, all of that. It's been wonderful. Very cool to see. And, yeah. and you know, when you talk about uh, 
kind of kids craving connection. It, it mm-hmm. makes me want to go down another different road. Yeah. Um, because you're so invested in, in kids ministry and you've got so many leaders that are kind of feeding back on how to effectively serve kids. Um, let's have a bit of conversation just on kind of where this generation is at, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll start it out this way. Like what, what's up with kids these days, <laughs> uh, in the generation that's growing up in our, in front of our eyes, like, what are you noticing? What, what are some of the current trends as far as their needs and, uh, where a ministry needs to kind of serve them or bridge mm-hmm. the gap between where they are and where God would want them to be. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, there are some really great things that I'm noticing and reading about with kids of um, this generation. I guess we're right on the cusp of Generation Z and Generation Alpha, I guess would be some of our... Oh, that's what they're our, calling it after. That's, yeah, I, I had to, after to be the honest, millennials, Generation look, Z, yeah, Generation Alpha. Okay. I had to look that up before the podcast. I didn't know, <laughs> to be honest there. But yeah, so what we're finding um, is obviously no surprise, uh, social media, like digital items it's it's the digital age so all of the kids that are coming through they're digital natives so very different than how we would have grown up like even many babies they grow up and they're they know how to swipe on their parents phones right like it it is a very normal thing my youngest son knew how to you know old school mouse and everything he knew how to click around on things from a very young age it's just the reality so they're very um savvy with technology and there are a lot of great things that go along with that um but obviously there are some negative things that come with that too so we're seeing with our teens and with our kids and down um that with the amount of time that is spent on devices, there is a lot of disconnection that kids are feeling, mm-hmm. even very young kids. Um, so there's there's a lot of statistics that are quite concerning, actually, about mental health, depression, and anxiety in kids and youth. I was going to ask about that. Those tremendous. are words that are just exploding oh, these days. It is awful. It is, it is so rampant. Of course, um, you know, we can't blame everything on social media, but that is a huge component for sure. But whatever the, the results, uh, we have kids that are coming into our program that are, yeah, they're feeling lonely. They don't know how to connect with each other even because I know some kids, they don't know how to f- form friendships. Yeah. I know that sounds very basic, but, no, but this isn't the generation will... that just walked out into the front yard and saw a bunch of kids on the street no. and just figured out how to play together. That's right. It's a group that's growing up with an iPad or a screen in front of them, super tech savvy, but less socially savvy. Yeah. So they're kind of lacking in a lot of social skills that we would have seen maybe in some older generations, um, less confident about being able to strike up uh, conversations or friendships, and they may chat online with people from school all mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. but it's a different type of connection, um, Very can be very surfacy, and so we find that kids are feeling lonely, um, anxious, and depressed. And, um, you know, the, the anxiety and all that probably also has to do a lot with, um, just kids are busy. They're super, super busy. Mm -hmm. I know my kids are busy too. This is not a blaming sort of thing. It's just, we live, families are very busy these days. We're taxis too. So I get get it. (laughs) So, you know, it, it's, um, there isn't as much time necessarily for just, oh, I don't know, being bored or just figuring out something to play and being creative about it, right? So even with that, um, it just brings a lot of interesting dynamics. Now, I've I've just listed a lot of the negative things, but I will say also that I'm finding that kids uh, 
right now are super curious and there's not the same uh, feeling that I might have had when I was younger that there's a right one right answer and one wrong answer and you'd better get the right answer Hmm. sort of thing. I'm finding our kids are really genuine and authentic. Now, granted, kids are a bit more this way anyway, but it's amazing the conversations that happen sometimes in M&S and in preschool, the questions they'll ask. And um, I think it's a testament too to our, our amazing leaders and the relationships that they've developed with kids that they feel um, safe and okay to be able to process things in a really blunt and real way. And I love that. And I think that that is a great sign if we can help kids to continue to cultivate that safe and real communication and dialogue because when they get a little bit older, say into riot age and current age, those are the times where they're really struggling with things and trying to they're making the faith their faith more their own at that stage, right? And that's where we want to keep what I'm seeing with the kids and really carry it through as they transition into teen years and beyond. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give some space to this because uh, at the end of the day, this is kind of August recruitment and team building season. Yes. So let, let's talk about kids ministry from the perspective of all of us who are listening and the opportunities to get involved. Can you first of all describe for us uh, some or all of the ways that someone could be involved in kids ministry and just the full menu of roles? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. So in nursery, we would have lots of leaders involved. You can be a teen up through grandparent as long as you want to be, um, that are providing basic care to the kids and performing all of the the roles and opportunities that I talked about earlier. In preschool, we have basically three different types of roles where you can get involved. We have a teacher who is involved in the teaching of the lesson and leading the song. That's right. Often the activities as well. We have um, an adult helper role that plays more of a support and guiding role, but is an adult alongside the adult teacher. And then we have always lots of teen helpers that to varying degrees um, help out and assist, of course, but I've seen, I know in Welland and I know it's happening at the other locations too. It's been a really neat opportunity to see those kids take chances and learn how to teach and learn how to lead activities. And so they get to be involved in that as well. Um, in our MS program, you can be the large group leader, which is the person who facilitates the fun game and teaches the story. Um, we have a music leader who is the worship leader for the morning for the kids. We have small group leaders who are the ones that are developing intentional relationships with a small group of kids and have that pre-story and post-story time of connection and application with the kids. We have an AV person um, for MS because there's some computer yeah. and sound yeah, and tech lights. support. Yes, there is. That is that is the first time where we have that. So we have um, a lot of teens doing that. Not that you have to be a teen, but that is a great way if you're someone who's interested in someday doing the tech and the graphics and all of that um, for the adult service is a great way to get started. Um, We also have check-in and hall monitor. So this would be more of like a different sort of role where you're working with the computers and it is sort of a 
sort of attack rule, but also it's sort of, it's a first impressions rule right. because as the check-in person, you are the first person that a child and a family sees when they come in and it's your big smile and your, Hey, how's it going? And checking in with each family. And that's where kids and, and families are going to first know, is this a safe place for me? Am I going to be accepted here? It's a huge role. And some of those folks who do check-in also then during the service uh, operate as hall monitors. So they get to circulate through all of our programs, assist where it's needed, make sure that all of our safety um, guidelines are running smoothly and in place. And so um, take care of all of those things. And if you are someone who likes to help out and you're very administrative, but you don't necessarily want to be in the limelight we also always need help with scheduling so that is another rule for someone who would love to get involved um, in a non-sunday morning capacity as well we have folks who come in and help us put together the million supplies and photocopies and everything that we have to ship out to the hundreds of kids at right, the three there locations. are weekday weekday roles yeah too, there right? are weekday and, roles and yeah people wanted to contribute to our kids ministry uh, but didn't have the availability or mm-hmm. you know, weren't into it doing that on Sunday or maybe had a different commitment, but had time during the week where they wanted to put their shoulder to the plow to something that is you oh, know, yeah. changing the trajectory of a generation. Uh, this is a place where they can plug in. We're seeing that team build uh, during the week in your office pod. Almost every week we see more people there. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it takes a great, the village. That's a great place to, to plug in as well. Yeah. Uh, any common, I know these are different roles, so certainly, mm-hmm. you know, singing or tech or small group leading or check-in or whatever, they're going to have slightly different kind of task-based skills. Sure. But any common kind of criteria for someone to serve in kids ministry as far as their time commitment or their heart attitude or whatever? Yeah, well, there there are, like you said, there's a lot of different types of skills needed depending on what you're doing and even time commitment depending on what you're doing. But one thing that I can say for everyone is just a willingness to, to show up and to invest in kids. I mean, that may sound very basic. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to have a background with kids. You don't have to think of yourself as like, oh, I'm one of those people who's always awesome with little kids. We have all sorts of people involved with our kids from teens all the way up to grandparents. And we've got parents, teachers, single folks, like everything you could imagine. And our kids need that. They need the variety of voices and leadership. They they don't need just one type of person. They need the spiritual guidance of our entire community. And everybody has something to offer. Um, so I think it's more about finding your fit and just being a person who's willing to give it a try and say, you know what, these kids or these teens, whoever it is, someone... What I'm going to do for them, someone did for me. A group of people did for me when I was growing up, and that helped shape me into who I am today. And I want to be a part of being that for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of, if I'm going to serve in kids' ministry in one of these ways, what kind of supports can I count on? Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a what's in it for me, but just sure. so that I'm not you know, an island unequipped or whatever, what, what kind of supports exist for people who serve this ministry? Absolutely. So we, first of all, um, all of the, the resources are all of the planning, all of that is done for you. So whether you're the large group teacher, you're teaching a lesson or whether you're leading kids in a small group, (coughs) excuse me, um, 
it's all prepared for you. The supplies are prepared for you. So you are prepping your activities, your lesson, you're prayerfully um, invested ahead of time in what you're going to do, but you're not Re, you're not creating content. You're not having that hard work every week. So that is done for you. You are provided with, we have several times a year training, um, equipping. We just recently gave all of our volunteers a book to read through, um, leadership development. Um, on a Sunday morning, we have little mini huddles before the service that have sometimes a little bit of training in it or a little, an encouragement for sure. You're working within a team within your ministry that gets together every once in a while for socialization, um, for team building together, and also um, sometimes to equip people to do their role more effectively. Um, and then uh, we also have... Um, No problem. We can, sorry. We, we can get it to, to, to edit that out. Yeah, we'll sorry. Just kind of stop I, it there. I totally lost it. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So then, then, of course, we have the, the beauty of the model that family ministry model that we do have is that every Sunday there is a family ministry pastor whose role, for instance, my role in Welland, is that I am available and around checking in on all of my people. How can I support you in what you're doing? in your ministry, yeah. right? So that is our rule um, on a Sunday morning. Yeah, so members who are listening and thinking personally or on behalf of people in our circles uh, know that this is a team you can belong to mm-hmm. where you can become part of something, you know, even bigger than yourself that is supported in a variety of ways and you can be developed not just in your ministry but as a, as a person through it. Uh, as we wrap up, Jill, uh, kind of have the final word and, and give us your best invite or sales pitch (laughs) for being involved in kids ministry this year okay well i mean the bottom line is we have so many kids in our community both in our church doors and outside of our church doors that are craving attention love direction they want to be known and seen and they are just waiting for people to show them who God is and the love of Jesus. And we need, these kids need the entire body of Christ to be involved in that in a variety of ways. So we need all hands on deck and it truly takes a village. Uh, so I would encourage if you're not volunteering, take, take the first step, talk to someone, talk to a family pastor at your location, try it out see where we can plug you and get plug you in and get your best fit. If you're already serving, I'd encourage you to see what can what can we do to take it even deeper. And if you're already the most committed um, leader, fully, fully invested, who do you know in your life that you can invite to come in alongside you and lead with you? Hmm. Definitely a potluck game that we're into here. We need <laughs> everyone's help to help everyone. And uh, that it takes a village value. I mean, there's nowhere where that applies more than in kids ministry and raising Mm -hmm. this next generation of spiritual family. Jill, as a person who was part of this church uh, from the time when they were 10 years old and is the product of great kids ministry, uh, know that you have our prayers and encouragement as you kind of lead the charge, not just in Welland on Sundays, but in our kids ministry as the student, uh, as the kids ministry specialist across all of our locations. And we're excited for where God's going to lead us this year. Uh, Gang, thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week as we continue together in finding our way. Take care.